and welcome to the Motherland podcast. I'm Charlotte Philby, founder and editor of Motherland.net, a digital platform for women who happen to be mums. In an ongoing series of podcasts, I'm joined by various experts and commentators to discuss issues relating to motherhood, parenting, children, childhood, pregnancy and life. Today I'm joined by Dr. Sasha Howard, who is worthy of one of the longest intros in Motherland podcast history. She is a paediatric doctor working in the NHS specialising in endocrinology, which concerns growth, hormones and diabetes. On the side, as if all this was not enough, she is also the co-author of Guilt-Free Bottle Feeding, Why Your Formula-Fed Baby Can Be Happy, Healthy and Smart, which she co-wrote with journalist Madeline Morris. Sasha, you're very welcome. (laughs) Thank you very much. We're also joined in the studio today by Geraldine Miskin, who is the author of Breastfeeding Made Easy, which is hitting the shelves in October. Uh, Geraldine is an independent breastfeeding specialist and founder of The Miskin Method. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Geraldine is also a guest speaker at The Baby Show, which is held three times a year at venues across the UK. So, ladies, breastfeeding. (laughs) This is, I mean, for me as a mum and also as the editor of Motherland and a friend to women who have children, one of the biggest issues I hear about um, alongside possibly sleep and the impact of children on relationships. Um, It's also one of the most emotive and divisive and the scariest to really talk about or write about because of Mm -hmm. the sort of almost guaranteed backlash. Dr. Sasha Howard, would you start by telling us a bit about your own experience as a mother and as a paediatrician and why you decided to write the book, Guilt-Free Bottle Feeding? Yes, absolutely. So as a paediatrician, as a doctor for over 10 years, obviously I'd had um, experience of helping new mums uh, with feeding, uh, with feeding issues, but I didn't really um, immerse myself in the world of um, breast and bottle feeding until I became a mum myself. Um, and suddenly um, I was a new mum breastfeeding, trying to breastfeeding, struggling with breastfeeding and looking around at my friends, my antenatal class friends and other new mums and so many of us were struggling and so many of us were using formula more or less uh, in in, a greater or lesser extent and feeling incredibly guilty about it, feeling that we'd failed already at that first hurdle. Um, And Madeline and I, um, it was Madeline's sort of inspiration to write the book and I got on board and started to look um, at sort of the literature behind Breast is Best. and actually started to feel quite um, sort of uh, emotionally driven to to get to the bottom of what people mean by breast is best um, and started to say actually really is it best you know is breast best and if so by how much and what do we mean by breast is best do we mean that breast is best for all women do we mean that breast milk is a bit better than formula milk just in a test tube um, and because of all that it really sort of um, inspired me to um, become more knowledgeable about it to to try and um, you know help other women that were in the same position essentially sort of looking more at the kind of experiences that that you were seeing Mm. where was that guilt coming from and where where you know where was the pressure coming from Um, I think it's sort of multi-layered and I do think that it's very different for different women um, and I think that in our country in the UK there's also uh, quite a big difference and depends where you live in terms of the amount of external pressure and guilt there is. Um, Certainly um, there is amongst um, sort of 
women who are professional, educated, a sort of sen- a perceived sense that um, that good mothers breastfeed, and that um, that if you formula feed, uh, you know somehow you're a slightly second class citizen. And of course, you know that's probably something that people wouldn't necessarily say out loud. Um, but it's it's incredibly interesting how how much people ask about whether you're breastfeeding or not. I took my my second baby into work for a visit when he was four months old and within 20 minutes, eight of my colleagues, people that I was in no means, you know, on an intimate basis with, (laughs) asked me if I was breastfeeding. Um, And people feel that that they can somehow class you as a mother, sort of put a a label on you depending on... I mean, nobody asked me if I had a vaginal delivery. Nobody asked me, you know, other intimate details about my child rearing. Um, And I think that it's it's somehow we internalise it as well. There's a lot of of uh, self-driven pressure. Um, But I do think that um, the NHS and the sort of the general culture at the moment doesn't help. The breast is best message is, I would say, ram down your throat. Mm. Um, and it's none of the subtleties are given to you. It is an absolute simplistic message that is given. Um, and, you know, if breast is best, then not breast must be second best. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, if you don't breastfeed, somehow, you know, it, it, whether or not you choose not to or you try to and you can't, you are somehow failing. And and for a new mother, that is possibly the, the biggest cross to bear. Yeah. You know, all, all you want um, is is to be doing, to be seen to be doing and to be doing the best for your child. Absolutely. Geraldine Miskin, you, you're a breastfeeding specialist and you were nodding furiously when Absolutely. Sasha was talking. Absolutely. And this is why it was so important for me to come into breastfeeding. So I myself don't have any children. But all these things, all these things that mums just feel, it breaks my heart because there is so much more to breastfeeding. Breastfeeding might appear simple, but actually there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, you know, in terms of babies and the mums and all that kind of thing. But it's just the guilt and the way mums torture themselves for it. Um, So, you know, when I first started this years ago, I really wanted to learn the science behind breastfeeding because I don't believe that every single mum and baby should get the same advice because everybody's so different. Babies are so different. There's no standard baby, no standard birth, no standard breastfeeding experience. And so that's why I started to look at the science behind it. And that's when I started to create my methodology and my algorithm, um, which really, really works. And it's so important to look at mums and babies as individuals. You know, I think it's really important to say that breastfeeding is easiest when it works. And it's easiest for mum because there isn't all the sterilizing there isn't all the getting up in the middle of the night there isn't all the you know do I have enough milk is it the right temperature all that kind of thing so you know I think I I really feel for mums I think that there needs to be a lot more support and a greater understanding of how the baby actually breastfeeds before we start ramming all the stuff down mother's throat about Mm. how you know how good breastfeeding is and I mean I can't stand the fact that if you breastfeed with nipple shields, it's not classed as true breastfeeding. That's so bonkers. I Isn't just it? encountered that a couple of weeks ago with a friend who's just had a baby. And yeah. she sort of apologetically yeah. announced that she, I'm just going to put my nipple shield on because yeah. we're going to use this until she can work out she doesn't need to use it and then we're going to take it away. I'm like, what? 
what, who, who, yeah, there is the this problem? sort of perfectionism, this natural. If it's yeah. natural, it's better. So yeah. it, anything involving plastic must be unnatural. Yeah. And I also, I mean, just listening to you talk, Geraldine, the, the idea that one is a breastfeeder or a bottle feeder mm. is so bonkers. And, yeah. and if women were, were given antenatal education about both and the combination of the two, yeah. I mean, so many, I was just talking, you know, earlier today to some colleagues who were saying, you know, they were, they were exclusively breastfed, but mm. they felt, um, you know, drained by it after mm. weeks and weeks and months and months. They actually just wished that they could give their baby mm. a bottle, you know, of an evening and go out or have a bit more sleep or, yeah. you know, other half do the morning. And that's, you know, women who are successfully breastfeeding, longing for, you know, a bottle. And the flip side is that there are lots and lots of women who actually might breastfeed more successfully if we let them have a little bit of formula in the first few days, Absolutely. especially first mums where yeah. the milk is delayed and coming in yeah. and your baby is screaming all night long and you don't have enough milk and your nipples are about to fall off and you're absolutely exhausted after a horrendous labour. Mm. Actually, a little bit of formula, whether you gave it by bottle or you gave it by another me- mechanism, might actually allow you to establish breastfeeding and, and continue enough. and relax yeah. and, you know, give yourself a break. Yeah. And there's these absolutes and these camps that we put ourselves mm. in and it's just... It, you know, what we need is just a little bit more um, sort of, you know, nouse, humanity yeah. and nouse about yeah. the whole yeah. subject. Yeah. Yeah. So what really frustrates me is this whole idea that all babies can breastfeed and mm-hmm. breastfeeding success. Um, and this is like the point that really gets me is that breastfeeding is primarily down to what the baby does or doesn't do at the breast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a mum, you can position the baby, you can hold the baby, you can try and latch the baby. But if the baby isn't actually going to latch and feed... There's little that you can actually do if you don't have the skills to encourage that baby to breastfeed. And a lot of the times I actually find that giving a baby a bottle once or twice teaches them that they need to suck in order to feed. Because remember, they've never had to do that in the womb. Mm. So and a lot of mums find that if they just look at the end of the day, the baby has to get fed. Right. The baby has to get fed. And if you can just say, I would rather have a baby have a bit of formula, you know, top ups, bottle feeds, whatever, than going back into hospital and being completely dehydrated because that just uh, just annihilates mum's yeah. confidence in breastfeeding, yeah. Yeah. the dad's confidence and the mum's ability to breastfeed. Yeah. And most mums will give up. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole purist, um, you know, all or nothing is just insane. If we lived in a perfect world where mums had perfect births and perfect babies, we would have perfect breastfeeding. But we live in the real world and we have to be real about breastfeeding. So women's experiences aren't all the same. And it's not only physical um, yeah. issues that can, that, you know, that, that can create you know, pro- perceived problems with breastfeeding. But it's yeah. also the emotional, psychological um, sort of history. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's women who, for all sorts of reasons, will choose not to breastfeed. Mm. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of women who try and, and aren't able to. But there are also women, I mean, you know, it's well established that women who have had things like previous anorexia or bulimia, mm. women who have had previous, suffered from previous sexual abuse, mm. um, will feel that breastfeed or may feel that breastfeeding is a deeply uncomfortable thing to do to lose control of your body to have you know your if you've had previous sexual abuse for example I mean not that I'm an expert on this subject by any stretch 
but that you you know you can it makes sense that you know you don't want your baby in any way having a sexual contact with you and your breasts may feel mm. like sexual objects so there are all sorts of reasons and, mm. and it goes back to the sort of you know the judgment actually it's absolutely nobody else's business nobody else's how business. you choose yeah. how you choose to, to to feed your baby yeah um and you know when we're talking about what's best you know, if you are a woman who who breastfeeding for whatever reason is going to be such an unpleasant experience for you mm, to, it's not best. you know, you talk about bonding. Oh well, mm. you know, breast milk's going to improve your bonding with your baby. You know, the literature right. shows. Well, I'm sorry, that's absolute nonsense, it's nonsense yeah. for many, many women. Um, and actually, you can, you know, we we've all seen very beautiful pictures of women bottle feeding babies you know it's actually quite fun when you're bottle feeding a baby Mm. because people don't look away when you're breastfeeding a baby in public people kind (laughs) of you know respectfully don't stare at you actually if you're bottle feeding your baby in the park people look at you and smile and it's really nice you know and your baby can still look up look up at you and cuddle you and hold your hand and um, you know there's there are these these absolute sort of you know truisms that we're we're, that are thrown at us on Mm. on nhs posters on the wall Mm. that just are so simplistic Mm. far too simplistic but just picking up on that you know you don't even have to be you don't even have to have like a really deeply personal choice not to want to breastfeed you know some mums just say i don't like my nipples tweaked so Mm. i don't like my nipples tweaked i don't want to be breastfeeding can i express and bottle feed and the mums who express and bottle feed man alive they've got a lot more work to do do you know what i mean so stop bullying them actually help and support them because you know, they, they're still trying to, you know, get the milk into their baby in some form, but it's it's what works for them. It feels, it's all part of this sort of greater culture that as soon as you become a mum, yeah. it's like you sort of lose the power of positive choice to yeah. an extent and people mm-hmm. suddenly can cast judgments, even when you're pregnant, you know, people mm. making comments about whether your body's not your own anymore. Yeah. yeah, and it's just you know public object yeah Yeah. it's boring and it's you know it can make you feel really self-conscious it's Mm. sort of this weird objectification Mm. and actually just being able to take a bit of ownership of your decisions I remember when uh, my uh, eldest who's now four and a half um after she was born I had problems feeding I'd had a uh, emergency c-section she wasn't latching on well I persevered I persevered and in the end I went to the doctor when she was perhaps think two months old and said you know I, I went on some false pretense <laughs> sort of oh you know I'm worried about something and then eventually he just said this lovely doctor said to me what really is the problem and I sort of broke down in tears and I just said I'm exhausted mm. she is feeding constantly she's mm. killer hurting me I had mastitis oh. and he just said have you ever tried just topping up with a little bit of uh, formula and I was like Oh, but I couldn't. And he said, why? And I said, well, because, you know, they, they're, they you know, uh, sort of mothers in Africa. I mean, I just could not think. All I could think of was this really <laughs> negative associations to do with pharmaceuticals. And, um, and you know, and he just sort of said, well, if it's going to make you a less stressed, happier mother, yeah. more able to give love and sort of, mm. you know, positivity to your child, what, what's yeah. what's going on here? Maybe we should just take a quick look at the fats because breast is best in the sense that there are proven key benefits which include but aren't limited to reduced risk of bowel infection, low respiratory tract infection, middle ear infection, you can tell I'm reading here, and what the NHS (laughs) terms an uncommon but serious condition, uh, necrotizing enterocolitis, which is probably slightly (laughs) better. NEC. NEC. NEC, exactly. We like a good acronym. Um, And every month or so there seems 
seems to be a new report outlining why we should breast our feared mm. our children. So in March alone this year, there was this Brazilian study of 6,000 mm-hmm. babies from all backgrounds observed since 1982, found that breastfe- breastfed babies were more intelligent, spent longer in education and earned more money. Not only that, but in December last year, the NHS reported that an increase in breastfeeding could save the NHS £40 million a year, with the independent newspaper reporting a recent economic modelling study which projected a reduction in childhood diseases and breast cancer rates should more women breastfeed their babies for longer. Dr. Sasha Howard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's a lot That's a lot you've just um, raised for discussion and there's, you know, a lot that I would like to say and apply to that. I mean, in, in the book that Madeline and I wrote, we go through the literature in detail and it's actually, I was, to be honest, I was astounded by how marginal the differences are on a lot of those things that you listed. So uh, gastroenteritis, so tummy bugs, uh, there is a marginal increase in the first year of life in formula fed not breast compared to breastfed babies uh, but then there is an argument that if um, women who are going to bottle feed were actually given some advice about how to sterilize bottles properly about how to prepare milk perhaps there wouldn't be that difference and in all the other baby parameters like ear infections um, and intelligence and bonding and diabetes and obesity the evidence is poor most of it is historic it's not well conducted trials by any stretch um, in science normally we um, talk about you know the the only really good type of study is when you randomly assign people to do one thing or other and then you compare it well obviously you're not going to randomly assign women to breastfeed or bottle feed so all of the evidence we have is observational and the problem is is that you cannot account for many many implicit dif- implicit differences between cohorts of women that breastfeed and bottle feed um, for example, in the in the recent study about IQ, um, you know, you, you try that they, they do very good statistics. They're very bright scientists and they try as much as they can to um, give breastfeeding and bottle feeding women, um, you know, to make the, the women in the different groups compa- comparable. But you cannot ever really adjust for that implicit difference. Um, so you can never absolutely say, is it the breast milk that's making the difference or is it other things? Sure. Um, and for that reason, I'm afraid that I think that the vast majority of the of the fabulous evidence that we have is is in no way fabulous, and it, it's a rather a sort of a reinforcing cycle. Every every study that you read says, well, we all know that breast milk is better. Our study did this. We found a very small difference, but then we all know that breast milk is better anyway. It's like, well, actually, do we? Um, on many many of those um, you know diff- uh, those outcomes that you talked about. The evidence is really just absent and that's that was the sort of first my first sort of you know open mouth gobsmack moment um in in helping to write the book just thinking that actually we sort of need to address this wider culture of the pressure that is put on women mm, yeah. the moment you become a mother too you know and, and i and i feel like a lot of it actually is coming from other women you know when you read um I wrote a piece recently about something completely unconnected to breastfeeding, mm-hmm. and the first comment on the on the the newspaper's sort of online comment box was a woman saying, "Well, you know, in that case, you can't have breastfed. It's in which case, I would not be happy nor self content." And it was just this completely bonkers yeah. Um, yeah. tirade mm. because she wrongly assumed that I hadn't breastfed. And I kind of thought, well, actually, whether I have breastfed or not is 
none of your business business. and it's so bizarre but it's part of a much wider culture and I think that you know leveling blame at women Mm -hmm. and at ourselves is the most sort of counterintuitive thing to do when we're trying to look at the best outcomes for mothers and fathers and for children if we really want to help mums to breastfeed and those who want to breastfeed I'm not interested in you know trying to convince women to breastfeed the, you know you if you want to breastfeed you need support you need support mm. you need to know how to do it and that's what's really important and that's where we need to start looking at you know how we can support mums and in terms of you know the NHS saving millions I really do think that they can save millions one by making sure that the babies who are breastfeeding are breastfeeding well but two taking off the pressure so that if breastfeeding isn't going well topping up with formula until breastfeeding does go well yeah then we're not going to have mothers with mastitis or babies being readmitted. Mm-hmm. And it should be it should be about, you know, as I said, you're not necessarily a bottle feeder or, or a formula feeder or a breast milk feeder. No. And if everybody understood that you can be somewhere on that spectrum and you find the right place for you, I think you just... You just bring the whole thing down by, yeah. you know, several notches. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then and then you and then actually you can have a lot more sort of inter mum support. Yeah. People absolutely. don't sort of feel embarrassed sitting around a coffee thing saying, Well actually, you know, I'm gonna get my bottle out now. So yeah, yeah, we you know, we're doing a mixture, we did yeah, Oh really? Exactly. Oh you know, yeah. that's helpful. And where Definitely. did you get your breastfeeding advice? Where did you get your formula feeding yeah. advice? Definitely. Which pump do you use? Which formula do you prefer? You know, exactly creating an open and honest yeah. dialogue that is non non judgmental. Geraldine, what you mentioned earlier about you had a methodology and an algorithm that tends to work. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So when you're looking, when I started working with mums, um, I was very interested in why some mums developed problems. And so I started by looking at how mum and babies uh, fit together. Um, And I started taking lots of crazy notes. And what I would find is that all these little patterns started to, you know, they started to appear. So what I've done is I've actually found that there are five key elements that we need to use to assess each mum. So the first one is the mum. What does she want to do, you know, um, in terms of her cup size? You know, what does she look like? What does her body look like? What what cup size is her breast? What shape is her nipple? So the first element is the mum. The second element is the baby's age. So what's this little baby going to be able to do? you know, developmentally, um, how big is this baby? So in terms of stomach capacities, how's that going to influence um, feeding and that kind of thing? Mum's um, medical history is really important. So, you know, is there anything in the background? As an endocrinologist, you'll know that there are some things that can, you know, suppress milk production. So is there going to be something that's going to actually affect supply? Labour is a huge thing. Um, the way the baby uh, is positioned in the womb and also then how labor sort of develops and how the baby is born can have a huge impact on breastfeeding because it compresses and disturbs the cranial nerves. And obviously if the cranial nerves are disturbed, then the baby won't be able to latch and feed efficiently. This is all out of mum's hands. And then the last piece of the puzzle is how mum and baby actually fit together. So how does mum's nipple actually fit into baby's mouth? Now, sometimes we can have a case where you've got, um, you know, teeny tiny babies who are premature and they actually can't latch. So how are they going to feed? You know, so we have to look at those five key elements. We need to make sure that when we're assessing mums, we're looking at them and their babies, their births, their labours, their medical histories. 
what they want to do in terms of their lifestyle, you know, what their anatomy is like and what their baby's able to do. And only then when you look at both mum and baby holistically, can you come up with a care plan. And when, when I talk about a care plan, I, I think about, um, you know, in order for this baby to thrive and get as much milk as he needs to, how often does he need to feed? You know, a baby with a teeny tiny stomach capacity is going to need to feed more frequently because his stomach will fill fill quicker than a baby who's got a larger stomach capacity. Um, Cup sizes. It doesn't affect how much milk you produce in a 24-hour period, but it does or can indicate how much you're going to produce in one go. So if you're a teeny, teeny A cup, and you've got a big 10 pounder, you're gonna have to feed from both sides right from the start and probably multiple times, so left, right, left, right, left, right. However, if you're a larger cup mum and you've got a teeny tiny baby, you'll only feed from one side. All this bog standard advice, like feed from one side so the baby gets to the hind milk, um, empty one breast first. Do you know what I mean? You see this, you see this big baby and this tiny A cup mum and she doesn't know that she's allowed to feed from the second side, but she doesn't want to give the baby formula. And you just think, what is going on? There seems, you know, there is this idea that because breastfeeding is natural, it's almost, it's like an implicit skill. It's a it's an un- mutual understanding between you and your baby and mm. you know how to do it in a way that's best for you. And, mm. and I remember that was the sense of terror that mm. I felt when I had these initial problems mm. that in the end I sort of overcame and, you know, very happily mixed formula and breastfeeding and bottling, mm. which was brilliant because I could hand the baby around. But there was that initial confusion like, oh my God, me and my baby don't understand each other. Mm. I'm not sort of be- performing naturally as a mother my baby doesn't know what's going on and I there's just you know this but misconception I, I think sometimes you know as a new mum you're lucky and all the bits of the puzzle actually Slot are together. there yeah. and then breastfeeding comes very naturally it's quite I think it's quite difficult when you're someone who for whom breastfeeding was really easy to understand that it might not be for other people mm-hmm. I mean obviously you can you know in theory but actually the the extraordinary misery of trying to breastfeed when I mean I don't know what it was between me or either of my children that wasn't fitting but there was definitely a piece of that puzzle that wasn't there mm-hmm. and I had lots and you know I had you know some extra I was lucky enough to have some extra cash to spend on lactation consultants and I had mm-hmm. particularly one absolutely lovely woman who came and came and came mm-hmm. and she you know we she did every trick in the book and mm-hmm. I mean I'm you know I'm a pediatrician I helped other women how to breastfeed yeah. and it just didn't work it was just not a good fit and you know everybody's personal story is different but if if breastfeeding was easy for you then I think it's quite hard to understand that um and and transitioning to formula is for some people like it was for me just the biggest relief That not having to do... I mean, I used to not want my baby to wake up because then I'd have to feed. Exactly. You know, the dread, the sick yeah. dread yeah, of her waking just, up yeah. because I'd have pain, to feed her. the agony. And the sweating yeah. and the coater. And this wasn't, you know, day two. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that the first two... You know, that you read that over and over. Yeah. First two weeks can be difficult. When you're in week 16 and it yeah. still hurts, like on day two, and, and you've had... Cabbages. And you know every <laughs> single thing about alignment and latch and getting that nipple in and all the things you know and then actually you prepare a bottle of milk and yeah it is a it is a fag to mm. formula feed but 
it's not a fag when you don't have all the misery. Yeah. You know, actually, the joy of formula feeding <laughs> or, or, or bottle feeding expressed milk and then being able to feed your baby in a not painful way or a not unpleasant way is, is quite miraculous. So I'm just saying this to illustrate that the range of experience that women have. And while listening to Geraldine is absolutely brilliant, unfortunately, I think that the, the reality for a lot of women who have found breastfeeding very difficult, who wanted to breastfeed and couldn't, is that they ha- they haven't had the sort of, you know, help that Geraldine would have given them. And unfortunately, there aren't enough Geraldines around. And the NHS is, is trying its best. Mm-hmm. And there are some brilliant, brilliant people in the NHS and people try incredibly hard. But the reality is, is that if breastfeeding is not good, you really need a lot of one-to-one intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of women will have a baby and leave hospital, you know, now within 12 hours, even with your first baby, and you may or may not have had someone come and see it. And I'm afraid the midwives that looked at me breastfeeding with my first say, yeah, yeah, that looks fine. Well, the baby's mouth was around my nipple. It certainly wasn't fine. Yeah. Um, and there isn't the capacity um, in a lot of you know cases to, to really you, give that tailored care. You certainly <laughs> can't blame the midwives. It's just not the funding. It's just not, it's just not the capacity that, that the NHS has. Mm. Um, and, you know, if... if if you can't afford to pay for private lactation songs, which is a huge amount of money for a lot of people, mm. um, then there are NHS classes available. But I mean, I, got, I used to get phoned up by terribly supportive, lovely breastfeeding women postnatally. What's a phone call doing? You know, I mean, I really appreciate you phoning me and you're making me feel good that somebody cares, but you're not helping me to breastfeed any better. Mm. So and it's a real, a real problem. There's a real gap as to how we address that. And also, I think dads sometimes need to chill out a bit. I mean, I, with my second, I went back, I was working on the news desk, could not, you know, go and sit and pump while I was sort of reporting on a protest or whatever. You know, it, it's, it wasn't a very flexible environment for a yeah. new mum. I went back when my son was six and a half months and I had to stop breastfeeding yeah. for that reason. And my husband said to me the other day, I'm nearly six months pregnant with our third, and he said, yeah, you you're you're gonna you are going to uh, breastfeed for longer with this one, aren't you? You are gonna do the full year. It's like, well, actually, if it goes well, which it did with my second one, and, and is easy, and yeah, I may do that. I mean, it's great. You know, it makes your waist come back a bit. You know, there's all sorts of not not to mention the health benefits to the baby. You know, there's lots of reasons why I would want to do it. But actually, back off and don't yeah. judge me. Yeah. And I just thought that you know, and he's an incredibly supportive, wonderful husband, blah yeah. blah. You know, very sort of open minded. But I just felt like there was just this real, even from him, like a weird stigmatizing. So. I think men are in a really difficult position because I think they hear the same breast is best message and then they've got, you know, certainly in a lot of personal and, you know, professional scenarios I've seen that, you know, you've got this distraught mum, often a rather distraught baby and he doesn't know what to do or or the female partner doesn't know what to do because they want to support their partner and they think they want to support them to breastfeed and they're pretty sure they should be breastfeeding but breastfeeding seems like an utterly miserable, not very successful (laughs) thing to do. So, you know, and often all, all, you know, all I wanted my husband to say was, you know, just formula feed, it's fine. And and actually that's what he wanted to say too but he didn't think he was allowed to say that. So by the time we got to formula feeding or express breast milk feeding, everybody was happier but there was just so much you know so many barriers to it yeah but there's so many things that dads can actually do you know when I do the consults with my clients I always make sure that dads are there because dads are so practical and breastfeeding breastfeeding can be very practical and dads are very good at just 
you know, they understand 3D how it all spatial works. awareness. <laughs> Absolutely. And they don't have the hormones sort of, you know, raging through their bodies and all that kind of thing. And more often than not, they're getting a bit more sleep. Yeah. Just a bit more sleep. <laughs> but, you know, they generally are. Yeah. So they can sort of cope a little bit better and they can look at things objectively. Um, but yeah, there is this whole, and also a lot of the time they sort of go, but so-and-so is breastfeeding. And I just say, don't ever say that to your wife because every mum and baby is different. I just don't think dads yeah. really you get it. You wouldn't say to your wife, so-and-so fits in a size eight dress. Exactly. Get a smack in the face. Yeah. Yeah. You probably think... wouldn't get to say it twice anyway. <laughs> I think the other thing that um, I, I keep thinking is that I think the three of us are quite southeast centered. Yeah. And I think that, that it really varies the experience you have around the country. Definitely. I mean I've only and ever worked world. and around the world. But yeah. you know, to, I yeah. think I think the developing world is a whole different picture. But yeah. I think that especially um, you know, sort of post some work that I did previously and then sort of the Twitter feed, the the I mean it's it's a massive generalization, but a lot of um of Scotland, a lot of the, the northwest of England, um, it, it's not the case that you know that you've got a lot of breastfeeding um, support postnatally. And actually, yeah. you can you know there are a lot of mums that will be the only breastfeeder, and everyone else is using formula. And actually, that that's a whole different sort of paradigm. Um, and then actually, it can be a fight just to feel normal breastfeeding, breastfeeding and not yeah. feel like a leper if you want to breastfeed. Um, yeah. And, you know, especially if your mum hasn't breastfed, if your sisters aren't breastfeeding. So I think, you know, in, if, if you're struggling with breastfeeding in that scenario, it's it's even harder to keep going. Um, and I think, you know, so it just it just, you know, reinforces the fact that that every circumstance is different. And there are so many things that feed in to your own personal feeding experience as a mum. Um, you know, you, your baby, your family, your, the, you know, the other half, where you are, what you do, the sort of work you've got to go back to, your history. And, and we cannot be simplistic about it. And mm. it, it's we, we've got to be um, a bit more, um, you know, a bit more flexible about the advice we give, about the, how, the sport we have, um, and about, you know, the, the labels we stick on people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the labels, I just, the labels are so damaging. They don't help. And I think you, you get this whole, what what often happens on the social media is you almost sort of start to get big groups of people sort of, you know, sort of pitting against each other. And you just sort of think it's just not what motherhood is all about. And it's nobody's business. What's really important is that the mum and baby are happy and that they're fed and that they're thriving. Absolutely. And it's a very lonely experience in a yeah. lot of ways being a new mum. You know, there are all sorts of things that you feel like you're not doing right. Mm. It doesn't matter how many books you've read, it doesn't matter how many years you've been a doctor for yeah. or whatever else. You know, you're suddenly you're suddenly in in charge of caring for this tiny little thing that's completely mm. dependent on you. And you sp- I mean, I'm sure all of us spent, you know, Every, you know, most moments of every day, thinking, "Oh God, I'm doing something wrong." Well, what do we, you know? There's so many things that make you feel like you're not doing well, plus hormones, plus lack of sleep. Mm. Um, so it's 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 so nice to you know be able to know that other women are struggling too. That we're yeah. all on our sofas at three o'clock in the morning, thinking yep. this is just the worst experience. <laughs> what is what have I done so wrong? And that you'll get through it. That you'll push through to the other side. And Whatever your way up the mountain is fine. You'll get there. Mm. Um, you know, as long as you're not, you know, doing something truly awful. You know, you're not putting, you know, sedatives in the milk. You're mm. probably doing an all right job. Um, and actually beating yourself up about it and feeling awful is only going to contribute to you being a less happy mum, a less confident mum. And what, what most children need is a mum that is, you know, has some self-confidence, is present, 
you know, is positive. That those things are what you know mu- what kids need. Not a perfect mum. No. Not a you know mum that fits exactly into the box. No. Um, and what? Who the hell you know made the box anyway? And where is that mum? <laughs> where is that mum? <laughs> You know, having having written a book with Madeline, having you know, knowing what I know, I feel like that. That I just feel very sad that there there are any women out there sitting yeah. on their sofa three o'clock in the morning, feeling like they fell because they're not breastfeeding. Yeah, I just, I just, don't, I don't want there to be any, and I know that there are, but it, it's so wrong, it's so unfair. Yeah, that you know, you just sort of want to scream it from the rooftops. You know, you're doing okay, you're doing a good job. Yeah. You don't you don't need this extra rod to on your back. No. Um and it's just how we get that message out without, you know, without people that are happily breastfeeding feeling like they're being abused, without, you know, increasing obesity, you know, running rife through our nation which is not going to from formula feeding but you know it's balance in all things but this absolute sort of breast is best message is I think somehow has to be altered you know having a baby is such a personal and emotional journey and you kind of always want to share what you've learned and there's so it's very difficult striking a balance between Mm. sort of being supportive and being open and sharing and sort of projecting your own experience your own values and your own views and your own situation on other women and when women are vulnerable and sort of trying to learn for themselves which you have to do as in with the rest of your life um, I think it's very important that we have the right support groups that are supportive without being judgmental, that are sort of inclusive without being dogmatic yeah. and sort of working out our own ways within those. I think that's what baby number two teaches you, isn't it? Because you have baby number one <laughs> yeah. and you think, wow, all these things that I know I'm going to tell everybody so yeah. they know how to do it the right next time. And then you have baby number two who's completely different exactly. and you think all the things that I thought were right one doesn't matter what the button is. Actually, I don't know anything. No. So I'm not going to share anything exactly. with anybody anymore. I am so terrified about baby number three because I'm like, you could be anything. I know nothing. I'm a fool for even thinking. You know, it's like that proverb, if you want to make God laugh, tell him you've got plans. Well, that's how I feel with this baby. I'm like, right, you just let me know when you're here what's going on and we'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs> while looking after your two older siblings yeah exactly that <laughs> it'll all be fine brilliant well thank you both so much for joining me um, we've been covering many of the issues but there's obviously so much more to say and if you want to hear any more about the, the sort of the topics we've been discussing today please do go online um, motherland.net and also have a look at Dr Sasha Howard's brilliant book guilt-free bottle feeding and you can also hear Geraldine Miskin talking at the baby show and also if people want to get in touch with you what's a good way of contacting so my website is geraldinemiskin.com yeah and it's Um, m-i-s-k-i-n m-i-s-k-i-n and um my book I've also got a book coming out in October so breastfeeding made easy um and that's just really making breastfeeding very easy so like taking those five key principles that you can then find which bit suits you, making it work. Lots of diagrams. <laughs> we like diagrams. <laughs> Make it simple. We can't deal with words. Lots of and diagrams. Sleep deprivation. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. And we'd love you to subscribe to our podcast, which you can find on our site or also on iTunes and SoundCloud. I believe it's SoundCloud forward slash Motherland Podcast. And if you like what you've heard, or even if you don't, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas for subjects you'd like heard covered in the future. 
The email to get in touch is hello at motherland.net or you can tweet us at motherlandnet. Follow us on Instagram at motherlandnet or join the conversation on Facebook, which is Motherland Network. Thanks very much for listening and we look forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you.